0: We are going to continue on in our study. We've been talking about countercultural living, and we're going to continue on with that theme. We've made it up now to chapter three of First Peter, and um, pretty straightforward text today. Pretty simple to understand if you've read First Peter chapter uh, three before. So it simply says, "Wives, in the same way, be submissive to your husbands." So um, you know, I figure what else do we need to say but that we can all just go home and and wives can work on that this week and we come back next week and see how we did so uh, all right so you know I don't even know if I'm going to get all the way through this message today because I don't know how long it's going to go I have uh, a lot of notes here and a lot of clarifications Uh, to things. And so I I encourage you to uh, try to be patient, to not get hung up on half of a sentence or one sentence that's connected to another sentence. I'll repeat things. I won't repeat things to, to be smart or stupid with you, but just because this is a controversial text. And so we'll try to unpack it. And so what happens sometimes, I'm sure this happens to you, it happens to me when I'm hearing something that's like this I'll listen to part of it, and my brain will stop, and I'll think about it, and then I won't hear what the speaker says next. Does that make sense? And then I take everything completely out of context. And I'm not really worried about, so to speak, you getting upset with me, but what I really want is that we understand what's really being said here because this text actually is brilliant. And I'll say that again. This text is Brilliant. It's brilliant so Derek put together this series that we're doing counter cultural living today We're talking about countering your instincts because a lot of times our instincts kick in and they say you should go this direction A lot of times our instincts are right, but sometimes our instincts are wrong And so when Derek put this whole thing together he mapped out he chunked out the scriptures that and so he said, okay July 31st, you know, you're I'm, I'm, I'm just gonna speak because it just felt that way and he said, you know, this is the text first Peter chapter 3 and you know He tried to play it off like that didn't mean anything, but he was really sticking it to me, and I know that. So I just want to say what Derek has meant for evil, that God can turn into good, God can turn into good. So we're just going to try to understand some things, okay? So I just want to get... All those clarifications to listen, to don't leave, to stick with it. And uh, I am leaving for vacation early tomorrow morning. I'm putting that autoresponder on my email. So if you email me, (laughs) I'm not getting it. So, um, (laughs) all right. Uh, Let's pray. And then let's see if we can, uh, let's see if we have a chance of making it through this. All right. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word. Because even though that sometimes we'll read it and it rubs us the wrong way, um, Or maybe we don't fully understand or something doesn't make sense that if we continue to seek you and we'll just say, you know, God guide me into the depth of your truth and help me to understand it that God you're patient with us. And though it doesn't happen a lot of times fast enough for us that you continue to work with us and help us to understand the wisdom and the brilliance and the love that your word brings to our lives. And God, I just pray that would be the case this morning, that you would help us as we work our way through a difficult passage of Scripture. In Christ's name, amen. All right, here's a very important distinction right off the beginning, and there is an outline on the back of that blue bulletin that you can refer to here. But here's something really important. This passage is written to wives, not women. That's critically important, isn't it? This passage is written to wives, not women. And the context of this writing is crucial to you understanding why the Bible says what it does the way that it does. You have to understand historically what in the world is going on to understand why it is saying what it is saying. So what is happening here? What is happening here, it's going to happen all the time, but in in this case, here's what's going on. So, uh, you know, you've got People out, and they're preaching the gospel all over the place, and some people are accepting. And so what would happen when a husband in this context, remember we're talking husbands and wives, when a husband would receive Christ as his Savior, become a follower of Jesus Christ, what was normally happening in that case, like the Philippian jailer in the book of Acts, or Cornelius, right, in Acts chapter 10, what would happen when they would receive Christ as a husband, the entire family in most cases would follow suit. Does that make sense? so then the wife and the kids, boom, they're all following Jesus. All right. When you had a wife who would hear the message of Jesus Christ and accept by grace, faith, Jesus Christ as their Savior, many, many times you would not have that same thing happen where the, where the husband and the rest of the family would receive. Does that make sense? That does, you know, 2,000 years later, the same deal is going on. We see that, we see that all the time. So, but, and so what was happening here is there was, it was bringing a certain amount of tension, a great amount of tension, actually, within the marriage situation that the wife had received Christ and the husband hadn't. And so what was going on is in the church is some wives would say, and here's the deal. And I hear this so often. You can say anything you want. Let me tell you what I hear when wives talk back to me. They say, you know what, if they're a Christian and their husband's not a Christian, they love them, they care for them, but it's a huge hole in their heart that they can't share something that's so vital. Does that make sense? And so that that hurts a lot. And so what's happening here 2,000 years ago that this is being written to is it's saying some of those Christian wives with a non-Christian husband were saying, because you're not a Christian, I'm out of here. They were leaving. What does the word submit to mean? It means to come under. We're going to talk a lot about that. We could do a whole sermon on that word, probably a whole series on the word submit. But it means to come on. So they're just saying, you know, I'm out of here. I'm coming out from underneath this marriage because you're not. There wasn't abuse going on. And we're not told that. There's not physical, verbal, whatever. But they're just saying, you're not a Christian. I'm done. I'm out. There's another guy in church and he's not married. I'm going after him. This is in the context of what, does that make more sense? This is the, and so Peter said, hey, you, you know, you can't do that. That's not right that you do that. Now, let's back up. The Bible also says, you know, if you're dating around and looking for a spouse, that if you're doing something that we used to call in Bible college missionary dating, that's not wise. And it's not that God's trying to rob you of your fun. Yeah, he's a great guy. Oh, sure, he's not. There's, look, there's a lot of great guys. Just because somebody is a, not a follower of Christ doesn't mean that they're a bad person. You could have a person over here who's just like full-blown follower of Jesus Christ. And that person is an absolute jerk, Right? You don't want anything to do with him. You don't want to marry him. You got this guy over here. Man, this guy's fantastic. But he's not a follower of Jesus Christ. And all it's saying is, is that this is going to leave a hole. You want to stay away from that because it's going to leave a huge hole in your heart and your marriage. I hope that makes sense. And the Bible is really clear on that. So if you're looking for a spouse, you want to look for, you know, you know being a Christian being a Christian is not like an add-on. It's not like you go to the car dealerships. You know what? I think I'll take leather seats with this. Right? This is the engine that makes the whole thing go. I mean, that's what it's supposed to be. So, so this is the wisdom of the Bible that's saying that that's why it's so important. So I hope that context is, it will help just a little bit. So people actually, Christian wives, were walking away from their marriage, not because of abuse. They're just walking away because he's, he's, not, he's not a Christian. Now, um specifically in the context of 1 Peter 3, what is this about? This is about how a Christian wife can evangelize her non-Christian husband. It's like a biblical strategy for evangelizing your husband who has not accepted faith in Jesus Christ yet right that's specifically about what is how do you do that so if you find yourself in that category this morning if you're a follower of christ and your husband is not this is you'd probably really want to listen closely here this has particular interest to you uh, and as a word of encouragement if you are in that boat this morning wife that you are a follower and your husband is not all right When you want to look at the world's greatest evangelist, let me see who's the most effective evangelist in this world. Is it, you know, was it Mother Teresa or is it Billy Graham? And you graph, you know, all these other evangelists and churches and blah, blah, blah. On a graph, this has been studied. On a graph, everybody, it flatlines really low. Like effectiveness is like way down here and way down here. And then all of a sudden it goes like this. Bam! It gaps way up. And you know who, who gaps it up? Wives. Wives are the most effective evangelists in the world, and nobody else even comes close to them. I just thought I'd throw that out there. So if you find yourself in that boat, and your heart is hurting, and it's empty because of that, uh, be encouraged by that. The most effective evangelists in the world are wives. Now, in a broader context than evangelizing your husband for salvation, you could make a case for this in a much broader context that this is a biblical strategy on how to help your husband to change. Now, <clears throat> I've never met a wife who wants to change her husband. <laughs> I've, I've, I've never met a wife that wants to... And you probably have never met a wife who wants to change her husband either. But if you bump into one one day and you have this little blue piece of paper, we're going to give you the biblical strategy for changing your husband. So, so here you have a strategy for, you know, if you want to evangelize your husband for salvation, or if you want to evangelize your husband to be a better husband or take out the trash or pay more attention to you in marriage, does that make sense? So just in case, maybe this applies. And for those of you who, who are single, who take a, Here's a little window into to biblical marriage, all right? So here's a how-to strategy on this. Now, let's get right straight. It's right off the top. Let's go after the nasty word. So the word is submit. Submit. Now, here's the thing with, when we hear this word submit. That is a very nasty word to us. We hear it, and immediately we recoil. Oh, <coughs> whoa. And then we can't hear anything else. It's like we're shell-shocked. We can't hear anything else. So what does this word mean? And again, I can't... I can't do a whole sermon on this because we'll we'll never get through. So I'm just going to hit some highlights and ask you to pray about it and work your way through it yourself. All right. If you take this word out of its biblical context, it is a nasty word. If you keep it within its context of the Bible, of the whole of the Bible, it's it's, it's a beautiful word. It's a fantastic word. The word actually means mutual submission. So as the wife is submitting herself to the husband, the husband is submitting himself to the wife oh well wait a minute that changes everything doesn't it it's mutual submission and you know what we get out of that you look right here first Peter. i encourage you to bring your bibles all right don't don't rely on that little blue thing that we give you all right first peter chapter three verse number seven so there's six verses to the wife and one verse to the husband and there's a reason why that but we won't get into that now but look what it says it says husbands and the first thing is husbands in the same way the same way what the same way, well, the whole passage is about submission. Actually, it starts in chapter 2. The whole context of the second and third chapters is about submission. So, what does it say? Husbands in the same way. Same way what? What's the same way? Same way, submit. In the same way a husband, as a wife, submits herself, the same way a husband is submit himself to the wife. That's what it means. So, the word actually means mutual submission. And again, it's not about this walking away. The picture that we get in our heads when we hear wives submit to the husband is this. Am I right with this? Submit, woman. Does anybody, who would dare raise their hand and say, yeah, you know, that's when I read that in the Bible, that's the picture. Anybody, would anybody dare raise your hand? I got one man over there who's brave enough, huh? Anybody else? Does any woman want to raise their hand and say, yeah, that's the way I hear it. I hate that. Submit. I know you feel that way, but uh, we're not going to belabor that point anymore. All right, um, Forced submission is never biblical submission. Forced submission is never biblical submission. Submission in the Bible is never everybody listen. It's never it's never ever demeaning or demanding. It's never impersonal or uncaring. It is always based on trust, love, and experience. It's always a track record. It's always a two-way street. It's very important. It's a two-way. It's mutual. It's a two-way street. It's in the same way. Krista and I have never had an issue with submission, ever. We don't. We don't have you to know, say, hey, Krista, you know, Bible says submit, so sweetheart, you, you better get at it. You know, we, we don't because we love and we listen to each other and we trust each other. And I don't pull out a submission card and say, you better do this. We were talking, we've talked a lot this week about this subject. Uh, To the point, I didn't think I was going to preach the message today. But anyway, we've talked a lot about it. And she reminded me of a time a few weeks ago where I said, hey, look, I really need you to do this. And I never said, I need you to do this because I need you to submit. I just, I simply said, I, I really need you to trust me in this and do this. And I said, I can't remember that. What was it about? She said, I don't remember what it was about. I said, well, it must not be a very important topic that we were, uh, we were covering if I did that. So then, so why did you go along with it? Because she had an opinion and I had an opinion. Why'd you go, why'd you go along with it, Krista? Did you do go along with it? Because the Bible says to submit? No, no, it's not why I did it. Why'd you do it? Because I trust you. Why do you trust me? Because you have a track record. So why does God give us all this history of himself in the Bible, everybody? Come on. This is really common sense. And what is so frustrating is when we hear a verse like this and we just like bah! Just go nuts. Why does God give all this history about himself to us in the Bible? Because he has a track record. What's the track record? Pretty doggone good. Patient, loving, kind, caring, listening, blah, 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 blah. All these things. All these things that you want in a leader. All these things that you want in a God. All these things that you want in a spouse. So there's a track record. This is very important. There's a track record record to it so when i say hey i just need you to do this she says okay we've been married 26 years i know our history i know who you are all right that's why jesus christ has earned that same amount of track record see see this submission this trusting thing is earned jesus christ earned it on the cross you look at the cross you say oh yeah okay you loved me so much you put me in front of you jesus that you died on a cross i think i can trust you right does that make sense so when you walk up to somebody you you just get married you have very little track record you've blown it all over the place with your spouse and you've been foolish all over the place and then your spouse comes to you and says you better submit to me do you think god is telling you yep you better submit to that man I mean, he's acting like a complete idiot. He's abusive. His track record's bad. You better submit to that, man. You think the Bible's telling you to do that? I'm going to tell you right now, no, it's not. Because that's out of context from the Scripture. The scripture's not endorsing that whatsoever. This only makes sense. God's word makes absolute sense, everybody. So what's being talked about here? It's, what's being talked about in 1 Peter chapter 3 is a respect for a position. A position of authority, so we need to respect God, and then it talks about government, right? This is like just don't revolt against the government all of a sudden. Respect people, respect the mayor, respect the emperor. You know, position come under that. It's, this one, Ephesians five twenty two. Wives submit to your husbands as to the Lord, for the husband is the head of the wife as Christ is the head of the church. How does Christ lead us? Is there anybody in this room that Christ leads you this way? And He says, Hey submit shut up and sit down and submit is that the way jesus christ leads but the picture we get in our heads when we hear wives submit husbands that's the picture shut up and sit down no opinion to, but does jesus christ lead that way so a husband's supposed to lead that way is that how jesus leads just think about that shut up and sit down not interested in your opinion not interested in your opinion submission never means wife that you don't have an opinion or a say so never ever 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 means that can you imagine the church of jesus christ is called the bride of christ can you imagine jesus saying you know what i'm not interested in your opinion you show me where in the bible that jesus christ functioned like that so obviously the word we're taking and not for so a lot of people say well hey why are you watering down the word the word says submit it's it's there for a reason submit and why do i hear so many bible teachers and scholars they seem like they're trying to water it down hey man it needs to submit you know why we're trying so hard because it doesn't make sense it's like dropping somebody you know who's like a hard rock heavy metal singer or whatever and they don't have tattoos it doesn't make sense does that make sense it's like everything about that is before and after the word submission, everything before and after the word is about trust and uh, love and listening and understanding and patience and kindness, and then submit. That doesn't make sense. That's bizarre, isn't it? Does anybody else find that bizarre? And so people who are really diligent about studying the Bible say, ah, there's something going on here, and I need to figure out exactly what's going on. So that's why people try so hard. All right. Let's move on. Let's get off of that um so what does it mean it means simply this under this because submission means sub to come underneath of right god created men with a need to lead a need to lead that does not mean that women are not leaders did you hear that ladies i did not say don't send me an email you said women aren't leaders that's not what i said i said god created right from the beginning men in in a context particularly of marriage with this need to lead and he needs you to want him to lead in some ways which is what we're going to get into next here's the first point about A second point, actually, about changing, all right? Stop leading. Wives, stop leading. Do I mean stop leading forever and always and don't lead in anything? No, it's not what I mean. When a wife sees a leadership vacuum within the marriage, okay, what, you know, what does she normally do? She normally, in most cases, most wives step into that leadership vacuum and they take the lead. This is what normal happens. And while I'm asking you to consider here and what the Bible's asking you to consider here is hesitate for a second and say, you know, husband, I I need you to actually lead, to tell him to make it clear and simple. I watched a movie. We were doing some kind of relationship thing. When was it? It was like January and somebody said, you should see this movie called The Breakup. Okay? And um, maybe some of you have seen it, some of you haven't. I'd love to show you a clip, but there's so much cussing in the movie I couldn't possibly show you the clip. We actually tried to edit the clip and like, it was beep, 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 just like that, so it's not working. But the, the, here, let me tell you, let me tell you, and I'm not, don't go out and see the movie. Let me just tell you because I can sum it up pretty quick. So in the beginning, she's, this, she's very upset. It's a guy and a girl, and they're living together, right? And she's very upset, and she just is hammering it. She's losing it, and she deserves to lose it on him because he's been an idiot, right? But she's losing it on him, just verbally, just nailing him, okay? And he, he, he withdraws. And so their relationship goes into breakup mode. Now, you get all the way to the end of the movie, and she's done. Her heart is now completely closed. She had tried closed. And he, they come in one night, and they're still living in the same place. And, and she's crying, but she says to him in a very clear and understandable way without yelling and screaming. She's emotional because she's crying. But other than that, she's very, it's very clear. He understands it. And, he says, and she just says, I need you to do this for the relationship. ladies. Please hear the wisdom in, that, in the way that your husband or a man is wired. She says, I need you to do this for me. And he's like, why didn't you ever tell me that? She said, I've been telling you that. But, all right, we're stupid. All right, if you want to say it that way, ladies, fine, fine. Every man in the room is absolutely stupid. All right, that's fine. I don't care. What we need is very clear, non-emotional, I need. A man needs to be needed. Look, you, you might not like all of this, what the Bible has to say, but what I, I, studies will show that this is extraordinarily effective about how we function in relationships. I need you to do X. Try this. Here's a fill in the blank. I need you, husband, wife says, I need you to lead spiritually. I need you to do this. I need you to lead relationally. I need you to lead financially, et cetera, et cetera. I need you to do this. I can't tell you how many wives I have heard say this to me. I just wish my husband would lead us spiritually. So if you're a husband here today, maybe you're saying, okay, well, what does it look like? I'm not really sure. I didn't go to Bible college or seminary. How do I lead spiritually? Try this on for size. This will probably just about fill the bill. Can you say these words to your wife? Let's pray. Like, could you do that daily? Like when you wake up or you, right before you go to bed, hey, let's pray. And you just pray with each other two, three, four, five minutes. Can you say, let's read the Bible? And I'm not talking about a marathon hour-long Bible reading session where you break out the commentaries. I'm talking, could you just like read the Bible for five or six minutes together? Could you say, let's go to church? That's spiritual leadership. And in many cases, most wives say, that would be great. And many wives say, you know, I just, I just, I just wish he would lead. Well, wife Here's my instruction from here to you, okay? Tell him. Don't get all emotional. Don't yell it and scream it. Just say, you know what? I need, Joe, I need you to lead us spiritually. What does that look like? Well, could you say every day, could you just take me by the hand and say, let's pray? All right, there you go. How about relationally? I need you to lead relationally. Because a lot of men, a lot of wives feel like their husbands aren't leading in any way, shape, or form relationally. All right, so guys... Take away Christmas, take away Valentine's Day, birthday, and uh, anniversary. All right, those four big days. Take them away. Are you doing anything to pour yourself into your wife or pour love on her or do something to build up the relationship? Think about that. Those four critical days. So I got news for you. She's actually asking for more than those four days. That might be a news flash, but she would love more than those four days. So think about that. And so you, as a wife, you say, I need you to take some leadership here relationally and deepening our relationship with each other. I need you to take the lead. All right, so wife, you're saying to yourself right here, right now, well, what if he never steps up and leads? Here's the thing, you ready? And I want the husbands to listen to this too. All right, a man of character will always rise to the challenge of your needs if he understands them. I'm gonna say that again. A man of character will always rise to the challenge of your needs if he understands them. If he has no character, you're toast. And I don't say that in a mean way, but if he has no character, if that man lacks character and he understands your needs and you've clearly explained to him and he doesn't rise to him, you're just toast and it's painful and I've seen it. I've seen it. It's a terrible, terrible thing, all right? In that case you 're probably going to have to lead in a lot of different ways, and it's going your your uh, life is not going to be nice it 's not going to be good at all all right so stop leading what I mean by that is don 't just give up leadership altogether, but just hesitate all right here 's the second thing stop talking third thing stop talking you know, again, what I mean by that I was just doing this for the film The blank everybody because it was nice, it was clear it was neat. but when I say stop talking, it means just pull it back a little bit okay um <coughs> It's very quiet in here. Uh, (laughs) All right, so so let's look at this, uh, 1 Peter 3, 1. All right, wives, likewise, be submissive to your own husbands. And check this out, that even if some do not obey the word, they, whoa, without a word, without a word, may be won by the conduct of their wives. How does a Christian wife biblically evangelize her husband to become a Christian or to change him or whatever? And the instinct, right? Instinct. The instinct is if I, if I just use enough words, if I pummel him with enough words, he's going to change. I can convince him. And actually your words are driving him farther away from your end goal than what you want you'd be much better off talking less than talking more. But your instincts are to talk more because you're just very verbal. And it's, Look, this is in your best interest. You have a goal of a great marriage. And, and when, there's a, this, when this verbal barrage is going on, you're going farther away from it rather than closer to it. And this is the wisdom of the Bible that it's saying. It's just a fact, Jack. It's just the way it is. All right. So uh, Proverbs ten nineteen says it a good way. Don't talk too much, for it fosters sin. Be sensible and turn off the flow. How many wives, after twenty six years in ministry, I've heard say to me, "I can't stop. I can't stop." I want to stop. I can't stop myself. I just got to do. do, do, do. I, they, they say things to me like, I feel like the verbal equivalent of Muhammad Ali working a speed bag. Just rolling. I mean, it's just this tidal wave of words just hammering away. I can't stop myself. All right, I want to deal with that. Why can't you stop yourself? I, prob- here's probably maybe the number one reason. And this Peter talks about that. Fear. You're scared, aren't you? You can't stop, and there's these verbal barrages because you're being driven by a tremendous amount of fear. And again, everybody, in many cases, rightly so. Look what First Peter 3, 6. This is the last verse in the section on wives. It says, do what is right without fear of what your husband might do. Do not be driven by fear. Other translations say this, don't give way to fear. Do not. Everybody, listen. If you're a wife and you're being driven by fear, and many of you are, you cannot allow your fears to make your decisions for you. When we make decisions based on fear, it leads us to a place that we do not want to go. And so you have to melt the fear. You have to deal with the fear. All right? Here's a couple of verses Psalm 27:1: The Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? That'd be a great verse. If you're being driven by fear and you can't stop talking because you're afraid, Memorize that verse. How about this one? 2 Timothy 1, 7. For God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and a sound mind. Memorize these verses and allow them just to chip away. Don't give way of fear. Instead, everybody, consider this, wives. Set clear boundaries for your husband. Rather than berating him with these verbal barrages, set clear boundaries of your expectations. Say, if you cross this line, then this is going to happen. I have a quote here from a book called Boundaries by Cloud and Townsend. When the wife begins to set clear boundaries, the lack of Christ-likeness in a controlling husband becomes evident because the wife is no longer enabling his immature behavior. She is confronting the truth and setting biblical limits on hurtful behavior. Often when the wife sets boundaries, the husband begins to grow up. A godly woman, everybody Always mature, mature as a man, a man left to himself without a godly woman often stays like a little boy it 's the way we are. This is why God walked in the garden on that day, looked at Adam there by himself without Eve in the picture, and said, "This is not good if eve if God never created eve she never Adam would be starring in Jackass the movie right This is what men do without without the influence of a godly woman in their life we stay immature this is a fact most of the time we need a godly woman in our life but you better go about it the right way godly woman. you ever say you immature little idiot that's not working you have to use exceptional wisdom but the fact is is we stay immature look You know, those guys who do Jackass the movie, there's not a godly woman anywhere near them, right? I mean, that that is... I thought about playing clips. I can't even find one to play for you because it's so disgusting, right? This is what we do. So we're grown up. We grow up when boundaries are set. All right. My wife, Krista, is very loving. She's very understanding. She's very patient. She's very supportive. I want you to know that. And I know we don't have any written boundaries. You didn't say, okay, she didn't, you know... We love, right? This is what we do on the playground. We, Don't cross that line. I'm going to punch you in your face, right? Guys love that. <laughs> Ladies, you need to know this. We love that. It's clear. Okay, I walk across that line. You're going to punch me in my face, right? Krista doesn't have any boundaries written down for me. Like, okay, you cross this and I'm going to hit you. or She doesn't have anything like that, but she has unspoken ones and I know they exist. After 26 mar- years of marriage, I know they exist. And here's what I also know. If I cross one of those boundaries, she will enact the consequence without a doubt. Are you hearing me? It's... <laughs> It's not. It's not a. It's not a maybe. What happens is if you have a boundary, this thing that you, I'm going to do this, and then you don't do anything. Is he growing up? Is he changing? You're becoming an enabler to it. Nobody says the word submission means that you need to endure emotional, physical, verbal abuse. Nobody is saying that. Nobody is saying that. God's not saying that. He doesn't say that anywhere. What you need to have is some clear bound. You need to seek them out. You need to pray for them. Okay, you're not building into the marriage relation the right way, or you're not leading spiritually, you're not doing this, and you're not doing that, or you're being bad with the finances, you're doing X, Y, and Z. You've got a big boundary line right here. All right, you cross it, this is gonna happen. You need to figure that out. You need to work with that. Because until you put those boundaries up, you can't, who would trust, who, who expects you to trust a guy who has shown tremendous immaturity in his finances and you just keep, like a little dog, going right along behind him? The Bible's not asking you to do that. And so, some people think that that's what the Bible's saying to do. I'm beating this point to death. Thank goodness I'm going on vacation tomorrow. This is just, this is crazy. All right, all right, all right. All right here's my last point. And then we're going to, then we're going to just uh, hammer the hell out of the guys in the room. All right. Um <clears throat> stay composed. So I, this is the last thing I want to say. Wives, please. This text. I have not done a very good job of describing it. Please don't turn away from this text just because I've done a terrible job of preaching it. All right? That's like saying, you know what? I'm not going to buy a car ever again because somebody had a bad experience buying a car. That's not, All right? This text is brilliant. Let it sink in your soul. All right? These things about submitting and not leading and the talking thing and the composure thing please listen to this all right you feel wife you feel like losing it and he deserves it and a lot of times he does and you have every right to blast away at him you have every right to blast away at him but when you blast away at him your goal is a better marriage and when you blast away from it are you reaching your goal you're running as fast as you can in the opposite direction. Did you hear what I said? You're running as fast as you can in the opposite direction when you lose it on him. Doesn't work. Check this out. First Peter, I didn't even write the verses down. I don't know what these are. Uh, wives, and this, it's one to four. Wives, in the same way, be submissive to your husband so that if any of them do not believe the word, they may be won over without words by the behavior of their wives. When they see the purity and reverence of your lives, your beauty should not come from outward adornment, such as braided hair and the wearing of gold jewelry and fine clothes. Hey, everybody, that doesn't mean you can't do your hair and wear braided. That's not what it's saying. You all understand that. I don't want to get into that, but that's not what it's saying. And some people stupidly think that that's what it means. I'm sorry. That was the wrong thing to say. All right. Uh, verse 4. Instead, it should be that of the inner self, the unfading beauty. And here it is, Ladies. The unfading beauty of a gentle and quiet spirit, which is of great worth in God's sight. All right, quiet, a quiet spirit. So a quiet spirit means to be tranquil, to be still, to be calm. Men, everybody, are made of dirt. Genesis chapter 2, they're made of dirt, all right? That's what they're made of. Women are refined humanity. We'll come back to these in a few minutes, but they're refined humanity, and there's a big difference between the two. So when God creates the woman, right, and the man knows, the man senses instinctively that there is an expectation that that wife conducts herself in a more quiet way. She's refined; he's not. He's dirt. And so a man does not respect. This wife who is loud and losing it, he's looking for his wife to be poised and graceful and quiet and composed. This is why Proverbs chapter 21, verse 9 and Proverbs 25, 24 say the exact same thing. I want to read it to you. It's not here. You have to look at it in your Bible. It is better to live alone in the corner of an attic than with a contentious wife in a lovely home. So when you lose it on him and you're thinking, oh my gosh, this guy is going to wake up. What you don't realize, what the Bible is saying, is actually you're running farther away from what you really want. And the Bible is trying to help you. You're much better off staying composed. So in the movie, The Breakup, although she's crying, she's composed. She's not yelling and screaming and he finally gets it. Of course, it's too late. You're much better off staying absolutely composed than to be contentious. All right, here we go. I have exactly four minutes to do this. There's only one first of the guys. But it's powerful and it's strong. Now, let me apologize first. I need to apologize. It's a good thing I'm going away on vacation because we're apologizing all over the place today. So, you know, have you ever been doing something like you're really into it and you're working on something that's really hard and just like, ah, oh, you know, and just, and something in that moment seems right? Does anybody... I know you're a little shell-shocked this morning, but we could get through this thing easier. Just say yes. You don't have to believe me, but all right. (laughs) You know, and it just seems right. So, you know, I've been working on this all week, and oh, my gosh, this is so hard, you know. uh, I leave the office Friday, and I drive my son up to a concert in Columbia, Maryland. I'm sitting at a Wendy's at 10 o'clock at night drinking some really bad lemonade. They said it was all natural and fresh, but it was terrible. So... (laughs) I'm drinking this terrible lemonade, and I'm looking at my notes, and I'm looking at the point that I'm about ready to give you right now, and I'm thinking to myself, oh, my gosh. What seemed good a few hours ago is actually terrible. Uh, so I'm apologizing. You could send me an email if you want. I'm sorry. This is really uh, to men, all right? It one of, it's a very strong point that God's making to men. It's very direct, and men like things direct, and they like things harsh. But this will probably be offensive, probably not to any men, maybe some men. But offensive definitely to uh to some women so i'm apologizing now i'm sorry i shouldn't have done it but we had printed the bulletins i didn't want to go back and do the bulletins so all right so here it is all right guys this is the husbands pull your heads out of your assuming attitude Uh, so what is it what does it mean to have guy, that guy over there has an assuming attitude. Uh, okay, so what does that mean to have an assuming? It means there's arrogance that's there, all right? So I want to read the verse. I going to try to help make sense of it. I know you've been sitting there a long time, and I apologize. This took a lot longer than any of us wanted to. But it says, all right, in the same way, husbands, in the same way, be submissive. All right, you husbands, give honor to your wives. Treat her with understanding as you live together. She may be weaker than you are. It's not talking about mental or spiritual weakness. It's talking about physical and emotional weakness here, everybody. But she is your equal partner. You got it? You see that? She's your equal partner in God's gift of new life. If you don't treat her as you should, your prayers will not be heard. All right. So where the arrogance kicks in is, you know, men and women are different. And we communicate things um, very, very differently. And so when a guy is having a hard time under- living with his wife in an understanding way, and you notice it says, don't seek to understand her. It says, treat her with understanding. It doesn't say just seek to do it. It says, do it. Right? Live with her in an understanding way. Do it. Don't make any attempts at it. Do it, man. Do this thing. What happens, what we kicked in is when, when the wife who is what says weaker, let's put a better word for it because I don't have time to get into it, it means softer. She's more gentle, right? She's this, right? She's more fragile. What happens, everybody, is men are made out of dirt, right? So I got some, just so you know, I've got topsoil. It's, it's in here. I don't want to spill it on the stage. We have topsoil. Men are made out of dirt. We don't talk and act the same way on a football field as we do at an expensive boutique. Would anybody say that's the case? So, I mean, this dirt, it's equal value. You ever tried to buy an acre of dirt in Arlington County? What's it running? A million bucks right now? So the value is very expensive. Well, this thing over here, right, this doesn't cost because it came from my home, but let's just play that it did, all right? Let's say it was a million bucks. So, you don't walk around in an expensive boutique with million dollar things like this and talk loud or be swinging your hands or talk harsh. No, you don't do that. One of the frustrations that happens with Kristen and I is I just, I just, I'm rougher than she is. I talk rougher. And she'll get hurt sometimes. And here's where the arrogance and the assuming attitude comes. I was like, well, get over it. What's wrong? What's wrong with you? And a lot of men do that. They pull it. What causes. The biggest thing I think that causes a man not to treat his wife right is his own arrogance and pride, because that's what happens in my life. I said, come on. She said, well, that hurt my feelings when you said it that way. I said, well, that's your problem. You're too sensitive. What's speaking? What's speaking? Am I treating her with understanding? Am I living with her in an understanding way? No, I'm being arrogant and proud. You know what? When you have something expensive and valuable and fragile, right? She's made, again... A woman is refined humanity according to Genesis chapter 2, and a man is made out of dirt. Equal in value, but refined humanity. I don't, if I have this in my home and it's worth a million bucks, I don't look at it and say, why are you so fragile? Why do I have to talk so soft around you? No, I say, oh, thank God I got a million dollar piece of equipment in my house that I'm blessed to have. Does that make sense? I don't go around and complain to the vase. Why are you so expensive? Why are you so valuable in prices? I'm like, oh, thank God i can pay my mortgage i you know what I, I got this expensive i am honored to have this does that make sense so a guy does it out of his assuming attitude <laughs> last thing i know we're done we're a minute over all right respect the divine threat and it is a threat um look it says if you mistreat your wife you don't live with an understanding what god says don't bother praying I don't know of any more powerful and direct divine threat that's in all the Bible. So what? husbands, you better listen up real quick right here. I got something for you. We look at prayer not just as a privilege, but as a right. So we say to somebody who is a serial killer, pray. Nobody else will listen to you, but God will God will always listen to you. I don't care what you've done, right? That's what we say. Because God says in his word, he'll listen to all of us. Am I Right. Shake your head if you're still with me. I know you just feel pummeled by this verbal barrage this morning, right? But that's what God's word says. Pray and I'll answer, I'll hear right at my, you know, my ears are big, and I'm listening to every word that you have to say. So we read that. One area. One area. So when we heard the word, we hear the word everybody submit. We hear shut up and sit down, right? This is what we hear. But God, that's not what submit means. Uh-huh. Wait a minute. You mistreat your wife, husband, and you can go to ask her after the service today and say, you feel like I'm living with you in an understanding way. Here's here's the rub. You mistreat your wife. You don't live in an understanding way. You know where shut up and sit down comes in? God says, shut up and sit down. I'm not listening to a word you have to say, husband. Until you get your act together and you grow up, you might as well not even pray. That's the strongest divine threat that I've ever read in the Bible. And that's powerful. and something that we should really stand up and notice. All right. Well, there you go. (laughs) I might not be coming back from vacation, actually. It's (laughs) tough. Um, Let me just say this in conclusion. And I know I've gone really long. Look, God wants you to have a great marriage. This is a brilliant text. I encourage you to wrestle with it, to think about the truths that are there. I mean, if you're a wife here today, our prayer team's going to be over here. There's some of you that might want to say, you know what, I'm being driven by fear. Pray for me, team, about my fear. Uh, If you're a single person, maybe you're looking for that godly woman or that godly man, and you want to go to the prayer team and say, hey, pray for me. If you're a husband and you're having a hard time, and it's not easy, I'm not saying it is, to live with your wife in an understanding way. I would say, hey, you know, I need help living with my wife in an understanding way. We need help. We all do. There's not a person in this room, including me, big time, and my wife can attest to that, who does not heed help in this area. God gave us marriage as a great, great gift. It is an incredible gift from God. And he only wants the best for all of us in this room in that area. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I thank you, Lord, for your word. Uh, it's strong. It's direct. Uh, we have to wrestle with it many times. But, Lord, in this room today, there are many people whose marriage is nowhere near where they want it to be. And there's people in this room who are not in a marriage, but they desperately want to be there. And so, God, I pray that you would help every marriage in this room and that you would bless it to become all that you desire it to be. And, Lord, I ask that for those who you've put it in their heart to be married to a godly woman or a godly man, that you would provide that way. We need you, Father. Help us in Christ's name. Amen.